our family lives on four acres, and uh, about two and a half or three of that is a, is our pasture outside, and currently there's horses out there. And through the years, Sarah and I have talked about how we could make money in our pasture, and thought about growing lavender or berries or something, and so we're in this conversation once, and it happened several times, but I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, I don't know, uh, we're, we're talking and about what we can do to earn some extra money on our land, make it profitable for us, and, and Aaron says, why don't we just have a gold mine? It's like, well, duh, why didn't I think of that? Let's just start digging. So... <laughs> It was one of the most genius ideas that an 8-year-old or 12-year-old has ever come up with. I don't even know how old she... How, how old were you? No, not 12. Okay. Okay, she was probably 5. Okay. All right. Why don't we just have a gold mine? So Jesus has a story about finding treasure out in the field. And here it is. Matthew 13, 44. Jesus said, The treasure of heaven is like... The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has... And buys the field. Jesus has lots of parable, parables that are stories, longer stories like the parable of the sower and the parable of the prodigal son and, and the parable of the coins and, and so on. But, but some of his parables are just one sentence. And, and this is one of them. He says, the kingdom of heaven, if you want to know what heaven is like, it's like a man that finds treasure in a field and he doesn't tell anybody it's there, but he goes and he, and he pays everything he's got to buy the field because he knows the treasure is in it. So, so what are we supposed to take out of that story? What does that tell us? Well, first of all, we got to figure out who's who in the story. Who is the one that paid everything? Jesus. So Jesus is the one who finds the treasure and sells everything he's got, gives up absolutely everything to have to, to buy the field. So what is, what is the field? The field is you. You're made of dirt. Hello? God formed us out of dirt, you know, ashes to ashes, dusted up. You are the field. And the treasure is the value of your soul that Jesus saw in you, so he paid absolutely everything he had to acquire you. Because he knows there's value in there, there's treasure, but it's buried in a lot of dirt. Hello? It's buried in a lot of dirt. So he didn't tell us how big this field is. It could be a 40-acre field. It could be a 10-acre field. Even if it's just an acre or two, the ratio of dirt to treasure leans heavy on the dirt. But look at it. Look at it. He didn't find the treasure and go and get everything he's got and buy the treasure. He bought the field. He bought all of you, including the dirt, because he knows that under the dirt, there's treasure. He didn't buy the treasure, he buys the field. And remember, Jesus is an intelligent businessman. He doesn't make stupid decisions. He doesn't make unprofitable decisions. He doesn't make sentimental decisions. He knows that your soul is worth everything he's got. And he's aware before he bought you 
that it's buried in a lot of dirt. But that's okay. I'm buying the whole field. I'll take it all. I'll handle the dirt because I know the treasure is under there. That's what I want. We don't know what the treasure is. I imagine a little treasure chest. Jesus buys a field and says, hey, why don't we have a gold mine? Let's just start digging around. Uh, I'm just going to start digging around and see what I find in you. Let's just have a gold mine. Let's just start digging around until we find treasure. So, Jesus compares us in this parable to a field. Five times in the Song of Solomon, the, the lover, who's the, the groom or the husband or it's King Solomon, who's singing this opera, this play to his beloved, who's his wife, his, one of his wives, um, and it represents Christ in the church. Five times, Solomon, representing Jesus, calls his bride a garden. And actually, I didn't even tell Ted what I was preaching on today. And we sing, come into your garden and take delight in me. That's straight out of Song of Solomon. The, the man in the play that is the book of Song of Solomon representing Jesus and the woman who represents the church, um, he calls her his garden. And I come into you and I find rest and I come into you and I, I take delight. So we're called God's garden. We're Jesus' garden. So we're a field and we're a garden. It's just lots of dirt. Around everywhere. All right, so Solomon's garden probably looked pretty cool. I got a picture here of a garden that's flowers and vegetables. There's some lettuce and some cabbage and flowers, and looks like maybe some horseradish over there. And I don't even know what all, but I bet Solomon's garden was pretty fantastic. I mean, we got the richest, wisest man that probably ever lived. His courtyards were probably immaculate. And I'm going to bet the garden in heaven is pretty spectacular too, just a guess. And Jesus says, you're, you're my garden, all of us collectively, but we can look at it individually too because of what he said in Matthew 13, that he comes into your heart and he takes delight there and he loves it and it's restful and it's beautiful. He makes it a beautiful place. If you want a garden like this, you can think of it however you want to think of it this morning. A flower garden, or a vegetable garden, or a fruit orchard, or even just an immaculate lawn. If that's, if that's what you, Except for a lawn, all the rest of those are all biblical. If, however you want to picture your garden, it's that you, your heart is for God. To grow that, to grow this, you need water, fertilizer, and sunshine. Water, fertilizer, and sunshine. And maybe some other things, and dirt. But, you know, water and sunshine and fertilizer also grow a lot of these. And, and I think that probably Jesus' garden in here has a lot of that. The weeds are relentless. Relentless! Because they grow in the same conditions as the good stuff. The good stuff that we want to feed the garden makes weeds grow. And in fact, weeds grow easier and sooner and bigger and faster and more on less water and sunshine and colder temperatures. And uh, weeds will grow anywhere really, really easy. It's the default nature of our garden and it's the default nature of our heart. That weeds grow 
easier, with less intention. Come on. All the other plants we plant, we have to be intentional about it. And the weeds just seem to volunteer to, hey, I'll grow here. You pull me up and, and my cousins will come tomorrow. <laughs> like, they just happen. And like, where are these coming from? We have weeded this garden. We've lived where we live for 20 years. We have weeded that garden for 20 years and the flower beds. And where are these seeds coming from? It's just repetitive over and over and over and over. But it's, the just, it's just the default nature of stuff. So we have fruit trees and we have our vegetable gardens. Sarah's got a lot of flower beds. We are weeding all the time. And um, years and years ago, way before I was pastor, actually, I was on a quest one day. I was on a mission. I was going to pull every single weed in the garden. And so I'm out there, and I'm working, and I'm pulling, and I'm pushing the plants up, and I'm pulling, and I'm like, I just, I just want to get everything so I can take a break, like, because this is like an everyday job, and they never quit. They are relentless. I hate them. So I'm out there and I'm pulling weeds and pulling weeds and, and, and I'm hoeing and whatever I'm doing. And, and it was like I, I was 10 or 15 minutes into it and it's a hopeless task. You just, you just keep finding them. And in the areas you've already hoed, you go back and like, oh, that one didn't die. And, and the Lord spoke to me in the middle of this, uh, I'm obsessed with getting every weed in the garden. And, and, and I was wanting it to look good. Like I wanted it to be like a, this magazine garden. You know, this our rows just straight in the dirt, just plowed and no weeds. And, 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 and the Lord spoke to me and he says, the purpose of a garden is not to be a place free of weeds. The purpose of the garden is this. Jesus wants fruit, not an immaculate weed-free field. I want tomatoes, I want cucumbers, I want corn, I want raspberries, I want peaches from your heart. I'm talking about your heart. <laughs> Jesus' purpose, and therefore your main purpose, is not to be a garden that is immaculately, perfectly free from weeds. Your main purpose is to bear fruit. So to bear fruit, we don't want weeds. Come on. It's, I'm not excusing weeds. I'm just saying, we can't just say, well, the weeds are going to grow, let them grow. Because Jesus said they will choke out the plants we do want. We're going to get to that parable in just a little minute. You with me? But our focus, our point, our main purpose is not to make sure there are no weeds. Well, I'm afraid that that is, since the Pharisees for 2,000 years... The main focus of way too many Christians has been, oh, I have to get every weed out of my heart. And you become so focused on being perfect and getting it all right and understanding everything and doing everything right that you forget there's nothing growing here. You forgot the tomatoes. You forgot the potatoes. Come on, so, so a garden is not to be a place free of weeds. It's not to be a weed-free area where there's just this pristine dirt. It's still dirt. 
You can pull every weed in your heart and you're still dirt. How about bear some fruit? John 15, Jesus said that. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain and that whatever you ask in my name, you sh- he may give you. These things I command you that you love one another. The fruit that Jesus wants is that we love each other. Not just in word, but in deed, James says. We don't just say we love each other, but we're proving it by how we live and the things we do. I, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. I don't know if it's any of you. It may be all of us to some extent, but we cannot make our, the focus of our Christian life to make sure that our garden is free of weeds. The focus of our Christian life is, am I growing fruit for Jesus? Am I accomplishing something? Is there purpose in my life? Am I doing something? And to get that done, we have to pull the weeds. But we're not pulling weeds to pull weeds. We're not pulling weeds to look good so that we have a magazine flower bed, a Pinterest garden. Sorry, magazines are last century. <laughs> Pinterest. I don't do Pinterest, so it just occurred to me that I probably shouldn't be saying magazine. Like, what is that? Jesus chose us that we would come and bear fruit. I know I bought a field full of dirt. And I know what grows there when I give you sunshine and rain and fertilizer. I know weeds come up. That doesn't surprise me. You're not trying to hide the weeds from me. It doesn't disappoint me that you're constantly having to pull things out of your heart. That doesn't surprise me. I know you're dirt. I'm the one that made you out of it. But don't make that the main focus. That's just something we do because we want the fruit to be right. If weeds don't grow in your garden, nothing else will grow either because you're sterile. If you get to the point where you think you're weed-free or you think that's the goal, that your heart is sin-free, like I'm never going to screw that up again, you're going to sterilize yourself. We haven't done it for a few years, but you can spray some sterilant. We've done it on our parking lot, and nothing grows for a year. It's, it's got to be some really bad stuff. I like it because otherwise I have to spray the parking lot with a backpack like five times with Roundup. But, but that's got to be some really nasty stuff if nothing will grow. If, you don't, if you're going to kill every weed, either out of expectation or you're that clueless that you think you're weed-free, you're sterile. And nothing is growing. You're not growing fruit for Jesus either. That was the Pharisees' main error. It was the main lie they believed, that God wanted them to be perfect. Jesus is like, I don't want you to be perfect. I want you to admit that you're not. I want you to admit that you need me, that you can't do anything without me. Weeds will grow anywhere, way easier than anything else. Not excusing the weeds, but... We're not going to be surprised by them. Jesus bought the whole field. He knows the treasure's in there, and he knows he's going to have to deal with dirt and weeds in the meantime. In the meantime, and I'm going to just go around, uh, Jesus the prospector is going to have a gold mine in your heart. God is not scared of your weeds or your dirt. Don't be surprised and don't deny that there are weeds and dirt there in your heart. 
So, I told you we'd go there. Let's go to Mark 4. And uh, I prove to you I'm not excusing weeds. I'm just, just saying don't, don't be upset about them. Listen, just Jesus speaking. Listen, behold, a sower, that's a, a planter of seeds. A sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. And some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the, seed, when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. The word of God, the Bible, is the seed that's being planted. And, these, and the dirt, that's been, the field that is being planted in is our hearts. So the different kinds of soil are different kinds of people. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown into their hearts. And these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves, and so they endure only for a time. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. And now these are the ones who sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word and accept it and some bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixtyfold, and some a hundred. So Jesus talks about four different hearts, four different people types of people's responses to hearing the gospel or the word of God. Some people don't care at all. Their hearts are hard, and he says it's like a road, and the seed doesn't go anywhere, and the birds come along and eat it, and it's gone. They they don't even know that they heard the gospel or the word of God. Other people, their, their, their heart has got some dirt in it that's soft, and it receives the seed, but it's full of rocks, and so they get really excited at first and get turned on, and, but then, but then it, it dies off um, because things get hard and hot, and and the soil dries out. And other people are choked out by weeds. This is the one, of course, we're focusing on today. Jesus said that some people get choked out by weeds, and the weeds are our desire to make more money, our desire to have more stuff, the cares of life, the burdens, the other things we're doing besides tending Jesus' garden. Hello? And he says, it becomes unfruitful. It doesn't produce. When you get so concerned with the things of your own life, your job, and bills and kids and and sports and activities and all this other stuff chokes it out and then he says and then there's the kind of person whose heart is plowed up and soft and tender and they receive it and it grows a good crop so of course we're looking at weeds so Jesus isn't excusing us having a weedy heart but he's not saying that the point of our Christianity is to be perfect to look good, to be weed-free, we're pulling the weeds because we want produce. Yes? That's, that's my only point this morning, is that leaving the weeds in our heart is not okay. Um, weeds in your heart will choke out your life, so you don't bear fruit. But my point is this morning that God is not surprised or disappointed that you have weeds in your field, and continually so. 
I mean, after 20 years of weeding our same garden and our same flower beds, Sarah's been out there all week working on it, and, and, and me too. I plowed the garden yesterday, and I was like, oh, it's time to spray again for dandelions and all that stuff. And I'm like, here we go again. It's another March and April of just tackling this. And, and it's just we know that in nature that's the way it is, but we can get to the point in our Christian life where it's like, I thought I should have been past this by now. Like, I'm sure Jesus is so disappointed in me because I'm such a screw-up because I've been dealing with this same thing for 20 years. And he's not. Because he knows it's just, it's the nature of weeds. The seeds are there. I don't know how they got there. But they're everywhere. And they're deep. And you let them sprout and you plow your garden or till it or whatever you hoe it or whatever you do and, and more come up and different kinds and, and I think the garden is in great shape. We just plowed it, look, there's not a weed late, and three days later it's a different kind that grew up because now the temperature is different, you know. Purslane, oh, that's got to be a result of the curse. That's that rubbery succulent that grows real low on the ground and you plow it up and it doesn't die. It grows new roots. And then you plow it up again and it doesn't die and it grows new roots. You have to pick it up and put it in a grocery bag and throw it in the trash. I mean, it's, ooh. That's our hearts, folks. You're like, I, Jesus, I really, really, really meant it last week when I repented for this and it's back and I did it again. I couldn't shut my mouth again, and I'm stupid again, and I'm wicked again, and I, it rerooted. I'm sure you're sick and tired of forgiving me again, Jesus. Like, no, I knew there was a lot of dirt and a lot of weeds, but there's treasure in there. I knew it when I bought the field. Jesus is like, I'm just weeding my garden. Some weeds, you pull them out and they're gone. Other weeds, you pull them out and they come back. You pull them out and they break. The root breaks. That mallow, what our family calls button weeds, the roots are so deep. And you pull it off and you break it and like, oh, Jesus, we, got, we finally got this. We finally got this thing out of my heart. And like, well, no, all we did was pop the top off. The root is still there. And it's going to come back and we're going to have to dig a lot deeper and really work this thing out of there. I'm like, oh, so continual weeding, continual weeding is necessary. Just as gardening, so in your heart, in your life. You never think you arrived and expect no weeds, nor should you be surprised when something just pops up in your field that you have to pull out or think that Jesus is mad at you. Just admit it and deal with it. So my challenge for you today is let's, let's, just, let's just, just pull two weeds a day. I mean, at our home, with our garden and flower beds, if we pulled two, days, two weeds a day, we would be overrun. But I'm afraid that a lot of you don't ever pull any weeds, or you only pull weeds on Sunday morning when you're here. Like, let's just start with two weeds a day. Every day, twice, you're going to admit, I'm sorry, I was wrong, either to Jesus or a family member or whoever. Every day, at least two. I mean, that's super minimal. It needs to be like 30 but we're just going to start with two. If you go to bed at night, like, I have not confessed sin and asked forgiveness for at least two things 
Like, you're ignoring your garden. You're going to be over, you are overrun. And I know, you look, we look at our lawn and I, oh, the dandelions are insurmountable. I can't beat this thing. You just start working on it. Either spraying or I crawl around on my hands and knees and dig them up. Once they got a flower on, you can't spray it because the flower is going to go to seed anyway. So I put them in a grocery bag and throw them away. And it, it, it takes a lot of work. It's continual attention, intentional intention. And then I don't know that how many of you actually vegetable garden and all, but in our area we have, I don't even know what they are, um, one of them's a nightshade, but we have three or four different kinds of weeds that grow in our garden that look very much like a potato or a tomato. So we're out there all spring, into the summer, July comes, I have hoed that garden, I have lifted every plant, I have looked around, and Sarah has too. It has been constant attention, and we have weeded this thing, and we have looked at it from every possible angle. And just two days ago, I was out here, and I pulled 18 weeds, and I walk out there today, and there's this little seed pod sticking up out of a potato plant. And I get in there, and that thing is two and a half feet tall. I'm like, it has been there all along, and I missed it. Like, that thing is sneaky. And then I'm like, okay, and then I'll pull that one, and I'll look. Like, I, okay, there's nothing there. And then, I'll, and then when it comes time to pick the tomatoes, we're into the tomatoes, and it's just, there's just nightshade berries everywhere. Like these little tiny half a pea-sized looking things that look like tiny little tomatoes, but they're actually really poisonous. Anyway, like, how did we miss all this? It is the easiest to miss the sins that are closest to your heart because they look like they're you. You think they're you. You think they're your personality. This is just me. You got to look really, really close or it's going to go to seed on you if you don't care. And it's got to be every day. Every day I'm looking. I'm not looking at the outside of me. I'm not looking on the edges I'm looking at the very core of why I do what I do and what I think and how I feel. And the weeds that get the biggest, the weeds that are the sneakiest, the weeds that are at most risk of going to seed are not the ones growing out in the open. You're going to find those and pull them up really easy. It's the ones closest to your heart. I mean, they're growing right by, right by the tomato stalk. And, you, and I didn't see it. And it just came up inside the tomato plant, and it pokes its little head out, and it's about to make a thousand of them. <laughs> Take a good hard look. You may find some really big things in there that you are totally shocked survived. Like, I've looked, Jesus, I've looked. Look again. At least two a day. If you make it your goal of just to be a better person, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pull every weed and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be weed free. You're gonna become sterile. If you make it your goal, I want to grow the best fruit for Jesus that I can possibly grow. So, I can't let the weeds choke it out. Thank you, Jesus. You are the master gardener. Thank you that you saw my heart and you said, "Hey, let's just have a gold mine." Thank you that you see the, the buried treasure 
in each one of us. Lord, we look at our lives and we see that you are good and that you've made good things and you've been good to us, but so much of it is just such a weedy mess and it seems overwhelming. You are the master gardener and you're not surprised and you're not angry and you're not taken aback that weeds grew in your garden. It's just what happens. Lord, I ask that you would point them out to us, that you would lift up the plants and look underneath and shine your light in there and say, hey, look at this. We got to get this pulled before this goes to seed. Because we do want to be a beautiful and productive garden for you. We want you to come into your garden and take delight. So weed our gardens, Lord, again and again and again. Thank you for your reassurance that you're not frustrated. You don't have any expectation other than a garden needs continually weeded. It's just what it is. It's life in this world. That you're not impatient, you're not angry that our treasure is buried in so much dirt. Thank you for buying the whole field, for caring about all of us, the whole, the whole. Lord, I bless each person here in Jesus' name. I pray that you would help us to pull weeds every day. Just, just keep going. Just keep it up. And to bear beautiful and delicious and healthy fruit for you as we love each other in your name. Amen.